Hello, Be The Salt family. Welcome back to another episode of Be The Salt. Um, Rod and Reprimand, season two, we're talking about parenting. I have some beautiful women with me this evening. Um, they are powerhouses, experts in several different areas, and I'm so happy to be with them today. Uh, we have Eunice, we have Jamie, Dinah, and Gina. Hi, ladies. Welcome. Thank you for taking time on this busy evening to be with me. And I know you have other million things to do, the summer starting and all that, but you you have taken this time and it blesses my heart more than I have words to wrap around. So welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourselves? Sure. I guess I'll go ahead and start. I just see my name on the screen now. Hi, I'm Diana Abraham. Um, I am, I live here in Parker, Texas. I am part of the uh, Malayali Pentecostal community uh, pretty much all my life. Um, here as, as a professional, I am um, I'm a psychologist, but I also uh, work for the Justice Department as an investigator and, um, and an analyst, and uh, I've been doing that for almost 20 years, so I wear different hats. I'm also a city council member for the city of Parker. I'm in my second term, so I try to give back to the community that way. Uh, I have two children, two daughters, Annabella and Gabriella. Gabriella is my oldest, and she's graduating high school tomorrow. And uh, my youngest is Annabella, and she is starting her senior year. Welcome. Welcome, so. Diana. See, I told you we have experts here. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much of an expert. <laughs> I can go next. Uh, thank you, Diana. Um, my name is Gina Samuel. I was born, born and brought up in Kuwait. Um, I lived in India for five years, came here when I was in eighth grade. Uh, so I've been here about, I don't know, 27 years in this country. I've been married for almost 19 years to Finney. Uh, and I'm blessed to be a mom of two beautiful children, Jaden and Amelia. Jaden's 14, Amelia's 11, um, and I attend Calvary Pentecostal Church. Uh, I'm proud to be a part of it and actively serve there. Thank you, Gina. Gina is an all-rounder, all-rounder for our church. <laughs> I can go. Um, I'm Jamie, uh, Jamie James. I am actually from Oklahoma. And um, I'm an LPC, a licensed therapist, and um, I'm actually have my own agency, um, which is therapeutic foster care as well, well as outpatient mental health in three different locations in Oklahoma. And I have two kids. Um, I have a 13-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you for being here. And my name is Eunice Simon. I'm also from Oklahoma and I'm a family nurse practitioner and um, I have a certification in integrative mental health and I'm also a nutritionist. Um, I have three boys, um, almost a 13 year old and then an eight year old and a five year old and I've been married to my husband for about 17 years. So thank you for being here. My goodness, ladies, you make me 
feel so intimidated being mm-hmm. here. You all are such experts in mental health and whatnot, right? Welcome, welcome once again. Uh, to start off, I just wanted to read something that really touched my heart today, thinking about motherhood. Um, so I, I'm hoping this this blessed me today, and I hope this will bless your heart this, this evening. Um, So there is a superhero that lives in you, buried in the daily routine of remembering to sign school forms or paying lunch money. I know I've got it wrong a hundred times. I've lost my temper and my mind. I've threatened myself to quit and wondered if I was up to... Um, up for the challenge when there is always one more load of dishes to do. But we do what we do. We load those dishes. We say the words that need to be said again and again and again. All the I love yous and I am sorry's. And we start over and we forgive and remember the comfort we get when the bad days happen because his mercies are new every morning. You are blessed because you are a mother because you raise tiny humans into strong adults, because you open your arms and create wonder for a five-year-old or warmth for a teenager. You give your all, and even on the days you think you're done, you bless and you love. I thought that was beautiful. That really blessed me. This is something we all do on a daily basis, right? Um, And I see each of you have a teenager and you also have kind of school-age children. So various levels of challenges. I know motherhood is challenging at every age. I myself have adults. Um, uh, So not so really challenging at this point, but um, I totally understand how teenagers and school-age works. Um, So Let's talk about social media today. Um, I think that would be an interesting thing to do. Do you see that as a challenge in your parenting? And if so, how do you deal with those challenges? I can go first. Uh, Personally, social media has... um, and screen time has been a challenge in my home. Um, I constantly try to, you know, tell them that's not okay to be on social media so long, especially now that summer is here, it's just a challenge. So uh, one thing I do constantly try to educate and ingrain in them is um, that each second spend is valuable and that we have to one day give an account to God um, how each moment we spend uh, is valuable. Mm -hmm. And I also remind them if what they're doing, does it bring glory to God or does it grieve the Holy Spirit? And so I remind them each time I uh, nag at them, right? Uh, well, nagging is on one side and uh, other advices. Okay, when I'm not successful, this is what I tell them. But uh, also when I don't see fruition and what I'm uh, advising them, um, I do take it up in prayer Um asking the Holy Spirit to convict their hearts, their little hearts, uh, for, you know, what they're spending their time on and to convict them and also um, to genuinely give them a hunger and thirst for the heart of God and not uh, social media or Instagram. That's just vanity. So that's my take on this question. Good points. Good points, Gina. Thank you. Who else want to go? 
I could go. Um, I have, you know, like I said, I have two daughters. Um, one is uh, 17. The other one's 18 and a half, almost 19. Um, so I've been, I've been having to deal with the whole social media screen time issue since um, probably, you know, at least, at least the last six, seven years um, minimum. Part of that time was when I was overseas, um, you know, when we were stationed overseas in New Delhi and social media was not that much, uh, you know, a, it, it was just, you know, basically coming out a little bit at that time. And they were both, you know, in their like 11, 12, mm. almost 13 age. Um, but the peer pressure surrounding, you know, having like an Instagram account and having the Snapchat account and all those things, those are all things that I had to deal with um, quite extensively, especially in the last couple of years. And then with TikTok um, and all the things that came out about TikTok, you know, um, having to try to, it, it's been a challenge to try to tell my kids that, you know, these are things that are really not safe. Um, a lot of their platforms um, have overseas ties and, um, you know, they don't have the same kind of rules and um, privacy regulations that we do here in the U.S. And just the exposure to things that, you know, just one click does um, and how it exposes them to things that I, as a you know, mother, would not want my daughters to be exposed to at any age, uh, much less, you know, when they're when they're um, younger. So it's been a it's been a challenge, but I think um, the more you talk to your kids and you try to explain to them, you know, the dangers of social media, but also the benefits of it. Um, I think that has, you know, if you have that balanced approach to it, I, I have found that that it, that's what usually works uh, for me. Um, but it, it is hard when you're, when you're going against the social pressure of, of their school friends and the, you know, the friends that they interact with in the community um, because everything is on social media and, yeah. you know, just them brushing their teeth or them getting up. I mean, they don't do that, but I'm saying kids, you know, just put that online. I mean, there's no privacy anymore. Everything is fair game on social media and trying to tell them that, you know, there are certain things that you should just keep to yourself. <laughs> um, and the internet is forever. And uh, once it's out there, it's out there. And so 25 years later, you're trying to apply for a job somewhere. Or you're trying to go into some government post or maybe you're trying to run for office or anything like that. Those things will come back to haunt you. And even if you thought you hit the delete button. Yeah, good <laughs> so. advice. Good advice. Yeah. How about you, Jamie? Well, I've had the same struggles as Diane and Gina mentioned. I, I, my son, not as much as my daughter, but, um, you know, we had, you know, struggles to where, you know, she would take it up to her room and just be on videos and she'd go hours without mm -hmm. like, you know, coming down or wanting to eat or like just forgetting to do whatever she needed to do. And, you know, I, I actually struggled a lot with the fact of like what the boundaries were and, just even in my field, like seeing, you know, how many people are affected by it. And um, it was really interesting to me because yesterday I was actually with two teens and the conversation with one of the boys, he said, you know, my parents offered me that if I don't 
want social media till I'm 16, which this kid's 14 years old, uh, they'd give me a few thousand dollars. Like, wow. you don't want social media. I'll give you $2,000 on your 16th birthday. And I said, well, what did you say? Yes. And he said, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, and he, you know, well, he, he declined it. And, oh. and it was so interesting to me that he declined it. And I said, well, why would you not take that? And my daughter was in the car as well. And they both said, well, you know, if we don't have social media, like in our age, then it gets to a point. That's how we make friends. And that's how we have friendships. And um, so I wouldn't, I'd rather have that um, than not have it. And the $2,000 means nothing. $2,000 rich, right? (laughs) Right. And so to me, I was like, you know what, guys, that's really sad. Like, and I had a conversation with them as like, you know, it's so sad that that's what makes friendships and that's how you keep in touch with people. And it's, it's true. If you see all of them, like on social media, they're best friends, they're posting together. But if you ever see a whole bunch of teenagers together, they all have phones that there's actual no verbal conversation between any of them. Mm. Um, so I hate the fact that I, I will say this day and age, it's taken the social skills away from our children. Um, because that everybody else, and even though you teach your kids to be social, you teach them, Hey, be off of your stuff and go out there and do something. When everybody else is on their phone, they're kind of at a disadvantage because you're trying to teach them to go out, but there's nobody that they can go out and talk to because the rest of them are on it. So, um, it's definitely become a disadvantage and I've tried to do. So for the summer, our rule has been, Hey, you have these chores. And when you have these chores, you get an hour of it but it has to be down here while I'm around but you cannot take anything to your room like they're not allowed to have it in their room and uh, I mean I feel like if when you can and when you can teach them and mold them um, you have to so that's Mm -hmm. the best I can come up with right now so if you guys have more tips let me know (laughs) if it works right you can't take it to your room I like that I wish it works (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, she's been good. She's been good about it. Good, good. I was just going to build off of what everyone said and what Jamie said specifically about, um, you know, while we have this time, you know, in our children's life, we really need to like, um, you know, influence them in the right way and like setting those boundaries of like, don't take the phone to your room. And, um, and also like, um, you know, teaching them how to have real connections with people. Cause I think we lose that aspect of it in this day and age. Um, I was, uh, you know, just reading about how like the mind, when we, um, when we're born, you know, at conception, we're only, it's only like 20% formed, you know, the rest of it, the 80% forms as we're developing, especially in those childhood years, actually all the way up to like in the mid twenties. So if you have children under the age of 25, they're still impressionable. We think only younger children Mm -hmm. are like very malleable in their thinking, but it's actually throughout the teenage years. So we have to be really careful. Like what are the voices that they're listening to? What are the influences that they have? And my kids, they're not like, you know, fully teenagers yet. So they're kind of more like they play on their devices, you know, they watch YouTube. YouTube. So they're not really connecting with other people. Really. Um, it's more just like gaming and, we have to put a limit on that because, you know, even like with the recent shooting at that high school in Uvalde, 
it's like I was reading up on that guy and it's like he was playing video games all the time and what happens is that you become so desensitized (laughs) to that Mm -hmm. shooting and killing and like what you do to other people um that like you're numb you're numb to like how your actions affect other people Mm -hmm. um and, and I wanted to point out a really good resource. Um, it's Dr. Kathy Koch, and she's like a child psychologist. And she talks about the, the lies of technology, screen time, social media. And basically it tells you that I'm the center of my own universe. Mm. Um, I deserve to be happy all the time. Um, I must have a choice. I'm in, I am my own authority and information is all that matters. So I don't really need teachers. I can get information anywhere on the web. So those are the things that our kids are like, um, you know, being told whenever they're constantly inundated with social media, screen time, YouTube, all of that. So I think pointing that out to your kids, like teaching them the truth which is the opposite of what technology and all of this tells us, um, pointing out the truth, modeling it. Cause even for myself, like I'm a millennial and I find myself on my phone and like, you know, scrolling. So like, I have to model that I have to check myself, you know? So that's my take on it. (laughs) Wow. I love it. I love it that you said you can influence your children at until mid twenties. That gives me some, some more room, I guess. Can we, uh, can we talk about how you all, uh, in your own lives, model prayer life, model spiritual life for your children? How do you work that in, in the midst of all that? Or what is, what is your, your take on it? Um, I feel like that's more by example mm. of what you do in your home or what they see. Um, I know growing up, um, you know, we did family prayer, but outside of family prayer, like different things that really stick out to me is like, you know, when we just said simple things like, oh man, my head hurts. Uh, I remember my dad didn't care where we were at or what we were doing. He would stop and pray for us, like uh, for, for that healing. And um, so, you know, going on through life, like with that, I, I realized, you know, um, for me that became a habit because that's what I noticed he did so even if I didn't stop and verbally like come out pray it in my heart or in my mind when someone tells me something like I would pray for them and it was more of an example so I I try to do that like because I know with the busyness of life and all that sometimes you know we, we we tend to like put it on the back burner and I have conversations with my kids like you know that's important like we have to talk to God daily like about everything and just you know maybe sometimes like prayer doesn't mean like hey let me get on my knee pull my hand it's just constant conversations with God and I feel like you know um we you know not being always you know there's private time of prayer but at the same time like you know just I talk a lot out loud to God and I feel like I've seen my daughter do that like oh my god help me with that like you know I'm, I'm really struggling with this and all that so I realized it wasn't my words as much as it was my actions as well and very for true. me it was the same thing so very true example that's a good one that's a good one the other day I was ta- um I was talking to uh I think another group 
Um, there was this rap song my daughter sent into my group, uh, just as the three of us. And she just started laughing and sent that song to us. It's a TikTok or something. Um, and I'm like, I can't understand what this says. English is my second language, right? And she was, when I came home, she was making me listen to it because it said um, that your mama spoke over you. It's, it's about fighting the devil. So the person was singing about fighting the devil. And I did this because my mama spoke over me. So she said, this is what you did, mom. This is what you did. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. So because I, when they were growing up, I used to lay my hands on them. Like, it's not like every day mm-hmm. sitting in prayer. Like we, did, we didn't have time for family prayer per se. But I will lay my hands on them and like say the say some verses like for years together. I think their entire school years, I used to say the same verses, right? That just ingrained into their head that they know what verses I would say and they can just tell that in their sleep. This is what you did. This is what you used to do. Mm -hmm. So I I truly believe that. Saying that out loud and showing that is very important. Who else want to go? I can Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gina. All right, Gina. Um, yes, it, I think it's really crucial that we model a devotional prayer life because kids, kids do watch uh, everything that a parent does. Now, um, you know, uh, they watch how consistent we are and how we spend our time every day. And so we have a wise Sunday school teacher uh, that often advises that we are never uh, too young to learn from someone younger. Uh, I'm sorry, to, to learn from someone older. We are never too young to learn from someone older and never too old to learn from someone younger than us. And uh, my friend Eunice on this panel is, um, I've known her since high school, and uh, that is over 25 years now. Can you believe it? Um, Yeah, she's four years younger to me, but I remember a time when she posted on social media a couple, I want to say like six or seven years back um, about her prayer life with her children and I really admired and appreciated how she did that because that was not possible in my house Uh, for some reason I thought my kids were younger and that they wouldn't understand what to do but when I saw them sitting and praying with her journaling with her what she studied and what they read and giving their own little journal exhortations and I that spoke volumes to me and I asked her how she did it and she just said you have to model it Um, you know they learn from being uh, from watching mom do it and that her kids woke up with her so early in the morning prayed with her and read with her intently so that was just like a God thing, right? Um, Love it. Love yeah. Ever since that, I was so amazed how she's so much younger to me, but she taught me something of value that even sticks with me till today. Uh, I Every day, Eunice, I remember that. And thank you. Continue encouraging the moms out there with that those kind of posts. Because I have moms who reach out to me now and say, how do your kids do that? Um, so thank you for that. Uh, thank you for encouraging me. But uh, the Bible also clearly says that we should model uh, a, a 
prayer life in Deuteronomy chapter 6 um, it says impress the word of God on your children talk about God when you sit at home when you walk along the road or in this day's drive right when you lie down and when you get up tie these reminders as symbols on their hands and bind them on their foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates uh, this means as parents we have to constantly uh, repeat the goodness of God the words of God the promises of God in our homes right um, so I just wanted to remind all moms out there that it is never too late no matter how young or old your child is model it even starting today start it start it it's going to be a challenge it's not easy but um, they will see that their mom's doing it and moms somehow have the gift of imparting um, and sharing godly wisdom into their children uh, and not to of course undermine the dads in the family but uh, moms just have a unique way of molding the tender hearts of little children uh, by modeling. I love it, Gina. Very good. Very good. Diana. Um, I remember when I was growing up, um, my dad and mom always had family, you know, we always had family prayer in the morning and in the evening. And I remember that my dad's prayers were shorter than my mom's prayers. <laughs> and, uh, my mom came from a Roman Catholic background. And so, you know, the prayers there was, you know, obviously much longer than, than, um, than prayers that, you know, that we usually would, would have, you know, in a, in a Protestant background. But when my mom, you know, came to the faith, um, she had these long, long prayers and she prayed for everybody and everything, everyone in our family, all the people who had asked for her, uh, for prayers, she actually remembered them and prayed. And I remember growing up thinking, Oh my goodness, I just want to go to sleep. You know, it was, if it was in the morning or it was in the evening, it didn't matter. I was like, Oh, and I, I look back on that now. And I think, you know, I learned a lot from my parents modeling prayer in the morning and the evening, because when I look back, I think all the accidents, all the sicknesses that my dad went through, all the uh, potential accidents, I'm saying that we could have had um, the near, near death experiences, um, just the, the blessings, the miracles and all those things that I, or, you know, that I was able to experience growing up and, um, you know, being able to look back on that and go, wow, how did I, how did God bring me through all that? And I can honestly say it was because of the prayers of my parents and because they taught me how to pray and my sister how to pray. And now modeling that um, from the time the kids were born, I mean, actually, since from the time we got married, um, we pray every morning, every night. And then even when the kids were just, you know, newborn infants, it didn't matter. They were they were, we had family prayer every morning and every night. And now my, you know, my kids are about to go to college and there are times that we let them sleep in and, you know, my husband and I have to go to work. And sometimes I'm, I'm like, I wonder if they got up and if they prayed, you know, like, or did they just sleep in and get up and, you know, have breakfast or whatever. But I, I'm, I'm pleased to find out 
that more often than not, both of the sisters will come down and say, hey, it's time to pray. And, you know, the other one will, you know, one or the other will be, you know, grudgingly getting out of bed, but they both realize that they have to start the day with prayer. And even if it's midnight and we have to like, you know, we, we don't have time to actually read the Bible because, you know, it's been a long night or whatever. We always still pray and we put the kids to bed by prayer. And when they're sick, um, if they have a test or anything, I've, I've noticed through the years, my daughters will call me and say, Hey mommy, can you pray for me? I'm really having anxiety over this test, or I don't really feel good. Can you pray for me? And just the mere fact that I, you know, just put my hand on them and I just pray it. It's a benefit that you only see after the fact, like when they're older, that all those years of forcing them out of bed to come down and pray or saying, Hey, when you have a problem, let's just talk to God and you get the eye roll. Um, it actually does make an impact on them. And I see that now in their life, especially with my oldest one about to go to college. Um, she actually was like, mom, I really got to pray about where I'm going to go to college. So I, I didn't expect that. You know, I, I, I had no idea that just the mere modeling, like Gina was saying of prayer, um, actually, you know, they're, they're sponges, right. And they absorb it good or bad, but, I'm glad in this particular sense that, you know, they have some concept of prayer and faith and, you know, seeking God in the times that they really need to seek him and trusting in him when they really have nobody else to trust it. And so I think that's the biggest lesson and biggest um, impact that we can impart on our children's lives is not just teaching our faith, but modeling our faith. And the biggest reward is when they say, hey, mom, I pray. And God heard my prayers. And that just, that to me is God's way of saying, see, I'm going to prove to them that I exist, that I'm here, you know, because that's what they're fighting in this world is, is a society that is trying to totally preach the opposite, that there is no God, that you are God, that God is in you, you know, that there's one God for everyone and all gods for everyone. And so um, that, that to me, my own personal life is what I've what I'm, you know, experiencing firsthand is that you keep praying with your children. Um, hopefully their generation, when they have children, they're going to do the exact same thing. I love it. I love it. That was beautiful. Eunice, we already heard your story. <laughs> you can add to it. Oh my gosh, Gina, thank you so much for that compliment. Sometimes I feel like I'm being obnoxious when I post things on social media. So it's good to hear like some good feedback. Um, so, and I will tell you a backstory to like getting my kids to wake up early is that I would bribe them with coffee. <laughs> so I don't know if it's like the healthiest <laughs> and the best way to do it. Like, like we would like, like really make the coffee milky and just be like, you can get coffee if you wake up, you know, yeah. like they all woke up. <laughs> and I, so, think, I think I have to bribe them with Monster or Red Bull. <laughs> and, you know, we started out with this, like, external reward, but eventually they they were internally like motivated because they saw the value in it. They saw that they had more peace throughout the day, that God would help them in their school studies and give them wisdom and give them good ideas and problem solving abilities. And so they saw the benefit of spending time with God. And that's what I think parents, like we help 
our kids to connect the dots. Like, you know what? You remember you prayed in the morning. Remember you asked God for that. Remember the lesson that God taught you and you got a chance to use that today. And so just helping them to like understand the why, you know, as they get older. And then, so like, I think it goes through different stages. Like when they were like toddlers, we would have this thing. We pray before we play, you know, like that was the thing when they're very young. And then as they're older, we motivated them externally with rewards. And then as they get older and more mature, we're like, okay, you know, prayer is not just about you talking to God. What did God say to you? You know, and so teaching them how to listen. Um, And if you look at the life of Jesus, you know, he was like, I only do what I see my father doing, you know? So it's like, you have to have this perception and this visual um, insight of where you can see what God is already going to do in that day, you know? And, and like Jesus would be like, yep, I already knew that Lazarus was, you know, me and God already talked about this. So Lazarus, you know, like whenever he was raising Lazarus from the dead, he's like, I'm saying this for y'all's benefit because I already talked to God, (laughs) you know? So he already heard from God. And so he knew exactly what to do. So we're teaching our kids. um, What does, God sound like? What are the things that God would say? How do you know that that wasn't you, you know? And God can speak through ideas and God can speak through visions and God can speak through people. And so just teaching them how to hear the voice of God is kind of where we're at right now. And then recently, like our kids, we were, my husband and I, we were, we were really praying that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, used to like, we, like, we wake up super early and we pray, we have our time with God, but God was like, you need to invite them, the kids to your prayer time between you and your husband in the morning. So we started doing that and we started like kind of coaching them, teaching them how to pray in the spirit. Cause we think like you have to go to a revival meeting mm-hmm. in order for the Holy spirit to fall on you. But we're like, you know, the Holy spirit is available to you anytime. You don't have to wait for goosebumps or emotions. Like you can access, him, you can pray for the infilling of the spirit. And so we started like teaching them how to start in praying and speaking in that um, spirit language. So even our youngest kid was able to do that. And I'm not like taking glory for that. That's a, this is a, a weapon that God wants to give us. And we need to give that to our kids, you know, Thank so trying to like demystify <laughs> all of them, be like, Hey, it's really not like like that spooky, you know, it, you can do it. It's like learning a new language, you know, let's practice. So praise God. That was so powerful. I loved it. I loved it. Let me put your heart to ease. You all said you all model prayer life or encourage your children to pray. Right. And it will pay off me. I can, I can testify to that. My 22 and 23 year old, they've always heard me pray. I wake up very early in the morning and I pray and they hear me pray in the spirit, pray over people, pray over them. Um, like there are times, um, Steve will sometimes say, I, I remember waking up because you put your hand over me and you're speaking in tongues, like in the middle of the night, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. But, you know, recently, I think twice in our church, um, one of my children led a a prayer for the youth. For six hours, they came and sat together. For six hours, just the youth. 
praying and interceding, walking in the church, walking through the pews, crying over it, hearing from God, writing down what God spoke to them. So it pays off, y'all. It really pays off. In the in the beginning, it'll look like maybe like a routine thing, right? They're doing like like brushing your teeth and have you, uh, did you do your prayers? Did you read your Bible? You know, it may look routine in the beginning, but later on, it will speak into their heart. It'll become something they cannot live without and it will pay off. So that was very powerful. What is something that you learned from your childhood? Um, like, you know how parents want to mold our children uh, to fulfill the dreams that they were not able to fulfill in their life and want to build that or see that in their children, right? You know, for me, I was raised like that. There was something my parents had a dream of and they, they couldn't fulfill that in their life, but they wanted to see that uh, that worked out or fulfilled in my life. Um, do you do that in your life? Is there something you learned from your childhood that you want to do differently for your children or see that happen differently in your children? I can go first. Um, yeah, one thing, um, you know, not just my parents, but most Indian parents want their children to follow a certain career path, either a doctor or a, an engineer or a pharmacist. Like, they already have it all drawn out and planned. So uh, I remember when I got married, I uh, wanted five children when I first got married. But when I ended up with one, yeah, when I ended up with one of each, I was like, we're good. <laughs> but one thing we decided as parents is not to enforce a certain career path or profession based on my interest or Finney's interest for our children's future. And um, as I grew into my, um, you know, maturity in my uh, walk with the Lord, uh, the my prayer was that both the children will uh, lean into God for what his will is for their lives right? Uh, not, theirs, not their own or their parents, because uh, I know when my parents wanted me to f pursue a certain way, that never worked out. Um, you know, and it's not that they, they were wrong. Many times we want the best for our children and we nudge them in a certain direction, but uh, it reminds me of that Bible verse, um, Proverbs 16, 19, where a man's heart plans his all his ways right but the lord directs his steps so why not go to the lord in the first place and um so this question i know even posed today really ignited or a, a spark inside of me that we as parents should spend intentional time in prayer asking god to reveal what his heart is for our future generations, what each of our children needs to do. And it's not to become a doctor, to make money. It's all worldly, right? Things that is perishable. But how are we impacting the kingdom of God using our gifts and our children's gifts? Are we serving others with that gift? Or am I just doing something to look good in front of people? Um, I mean, I'm even speaking for myself um, even in the recent uh, jobs that I were working, my goal is to like impress, right? And of course, not impress um, people, but impress 
with our skills, our talents, be the best. But how are we um, portraying God where we are in our workplaces and our uh, wherever we are placed in schools and colleges? So that is our uh, what our prayer should be. What God's heart is for our children, and uh, I just hope that we can um, have that where we instill in them that that our lives may not be according to our will, but his will alone. Great. Awesome. Awesome. I'm like, I could go next. Um, I think I'm probably the oldest out of most of you here. Um, and so I don't know back, how old you are. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know I'm the oldest. I about that. No. Um, grew up, uh, you know, in a generation where, you know, parents were just like Gina was saying, you know, my, my parents particularly had very high standards and, um, you know, dreams and aspirations of my sister and I becoming doctors or lawyers or something, you know, that ultimately they could say, yeah, my daughter is this, you know, yeah, she's that. Or, um, and I think that when I look back on my childhood, I would always tell people would always be, Oh, Diana, what do you want to be? And I'd be like, I, I had it like memorized, right? I wanted to be a pediatrician. I was going to go to pre-med or, you know, I was going to go into med school, et cetera. Um, and I realize now that those were dreams that my parents had put into me, that those were not necessarily um, actually what God wanted me to be. I, but for a long time, I just believed that that was what I wanted to be because that was what they said, Diana, you need to be a doctor. And um, my story is is very, um, very different than a lot of people's stories because I, I actually went, tried to do the whole med school route. I mean, I, I let's just say I, I went to the pre-med route and almost passed out in a, my uh, anatomy cadaver class. And I realized then that <laughs> I have no business trying to go into medicine at that point. And, uh, and then I realized that God had all, always had, a, a, you know, he had put a passion in me to talk to people that I was easy to talk to, that people would talk to me about their problems and things like that. And so I went the psychologist route and I became a psychologist and then to make my parents feel better, I did my neuropsychology. So, you know, that was a little bit of medicine for them so they could, they could sleep better at night knowing that I had a, I had a, I had a specialty in the medical part of psychology. And, but even through all that, I still didn't feel peace. Um, because God had always put a different passion in my heart, and that was in law enforcement. And that is so against the grain of what our community, you know, even thinks about for their kids, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I took the plunge, and I after, after I got the degree, I got the license, I did some years of practice, I still didn't have that peace. And I was like, okay, God, if it's your will, you open up doors. And then he opened up those doors for me, and now 20 years later, I've been in federal law enforcement now for for almost 20 years. And I can honestly say that I am now where I want to be in my life. And I know that this is where God wants me to be. Mm -hmm. And so when I translate that story for my kids, I try to tell them, listen, it is not 
what mom and dad want you to be. God is putting a passion. He has already planted a seed in your heart. What is it that you have that's your passion that you want to do for the rest of your life? Because when we read the Bible, you know, there's nowhere that says that God has just created doctors, nurses, uh, engineers, and computer science majors, right? I mean, he, he says that we have to rule the earth. And, and through that comes all these different roles. Uh, there's a need for security. There's a need for people to be entrepreneurs. There's a need for mental health. There's a need for medical. And so you could go, the list could go on. And so I tell my kids, you had, God already put you on this earth for a purpose. And that purpose has to be fulfilled. And it is not what my purpose is. And I think a lot of times, sometimes parents want to live vicariously through their kids because they weren't able to to do something for whatever reasons, because of circumstance, finance, uh, whatever it could have been. And so they have that need or that desire to, for their children to be better than them, which is, which is justified and which is normal. But I think sometimes we have to be very careful that we are not pushing that, um, the desire to a point to where they do it because they don't want to make us upset. They don't want to feel like they're a failure in our eyes and they choose a career path and that they are totally miserable in. And I've seen so many stories like that. So that's something that, that we as parents, um, you know, really need to be careful about, uh, as we're raising our kids, um, because we do have those cultural pressures from our own past that creep in when we're trying to do parenting with our kids in this generation. I love it. Okay, I love it. Go ahead, Eunice or Amy. Oh, okay. Um, um, I was just, I loved what both of you all said. Um, So for one thing that I had to like unlearn because I, you know, grew up in this Indian culture is, um, you know, this idea that what's, what's on stage and what people can see is the thing that we want, like we need to show up in society. We have to have a presence. We have to perform, you know, we have to meet society's expectations. And so I had to unlearn that. And I, you know, cause I found myself kind of passing that on to my kids, like, Oh, I'm going to teach them to be a speaker, a preacher, you know, lead worship, like anything on the stage. And, um, And, you know, like God really convicted me that it's, you know, like there's this passage in scripture that talks about the body of Christ. We each have different functions and actually the things that are unseen, the hidden ones are actually more noble, you know, in God's eyes. So the, the, the talents that people may not obviously recognize are actually very valuable in God's eyes and just teaching that to my kids because, you know, some of my kids and, and actually also understanding that God designed them uniquely and with different skills and talents and calling that out in them. And, you know, referring back to that child psychologist that I was talking about earlier, Dr. Kathy Koch, she talks about the eight great smarts and there's a book about this. You can read it, but she talks about like being body smart, logic, smart, music, smart, nature, smart, self smart. And so, um, you know, one of my kids, he is, 
like he he's always fidgeting and like moving and like doing something I'm like just sit still you know like I, I get so irritated with him and then like after I read this book I'm like oh like he's very rhythmic and because of that he's also really musically inclined and this is the way that God designed him and we need as parents to teach them how to harness that strength you know, because oh, that's if his strength is not harnessed, it can turn to like this weakness and they can use it for wrong things. You know, they could even get misdiagnosed with like ADD or something mm. weird like that. And then that like crushes their spirit, you know? Mm. So just knowing that each child is designed differently by their creator to do good works, you know, and, and, and emphasizing that do not try to be like somebody else, be you know, what God created you to be. And as parents, we're going to help you cultivate that gift. You know, we're going to help you practice self-control and how to respect others, you know, with your gift, respecting their gift, but knowing that like, we're all created differently. You be you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was, I, you know, growing up, I actually, went to an American church till I was about 12 years old. And I don't think I entered like, I mean, we had a lot of Indian friends and we hung out with the Indian community. And I think one of my things, I won't necessarily say it's something that my parents put on to me, but it was more of a, just something I learned through the culture was, uh, you know, just caring about what others felt about you and letting what others said um, define who you are. And I remember growing up, a lot of people, there was a lot of misunderstanding as to who I was or not, not just me in general, just in general as a family, even sometimes where things could have been mistook like in a different way. So one of them, and, and even just different things that I went through in life and the, how people defined you or how society defined you. And I think that's one thing that I always taught my kids is what people say about you or what people think of you does not define who you are. And, and I think it was more of a cultural thing that I grew up in a culture where, you know, labels stuck. And, you know, I mean, we all know nicknames that all the adults have, like, you know, but it's like, you know, oh, okay, well, if they worked at a certain company, their name is attached to that company or whatever. And I used to think it was a part of these adults' names until later I was like, oh, they're saying this. But, um, you know, so late, like, that's been huge that I, I try to implement into kids is what others say about you doesn't define you. What God says about you is who you are and you're defined as the son and daughter of Christ. And, you know, people will always have something negative to say, and not just our community, people in general will have something negative to say and just uh, not taking that as to define who you are. And instead, you know, going past those labels, going past those stories, going past what you have heard or what people have said directly to you in a rude way, you know? And, you know, I, I have a lot of kids that I talk to like, um, that tell me like that their thoughts of themselves is based off of something had someone had said to them when they were younger or someone, something someone had said to their parents about them when they were younger. And therefore the parents come back and they get mad at you because, you know, in the community, you made them see the side of you, you know? And I was like, you know, we all make mistakes. And that's one thing I want my kids to always know. Like we, we are humans and Christ knew 
that we were humans that would make mistakes and not always make the right decision, but we serve a God of grace and a God that forgives and a God that will show us how to get past that certain situation in our life. So everything, every negative thing that maybe you did have a negative uh, behavior or response to a certain uh, situation one day, but that doesn't define who you are for eternity. You know, that's something that you can get past, something that you can overcome, and you are uh, a creation that Christ created, and therefore you have to see yourself in that. And I think that was tough. Um, you know, being a pastor's kid, that makes it even tougher. You know, um, you're looked at and you're judged, and, you know, mm. every little thing you do is seen as a negative thing when that's not where or how you intended it to be. So I, I think that's pretty big on what, how, what I, what I teach my kids are, you know, what any situation we can overcome and whatever words spoken over you doesn't define who you are because you have to find out who Christ says you are. And so maybe more words of affirmation and encouragement is something we do a lot. Wow. That was powerful. That was a good one. I love it. To finish off the night, can you complete the sentence, I am, in four different ways? Um, I would start with myself. I would say my I am statements are, I am the daughter of the king. I am redeemed. I am determined. And I am healed. What is your I am statements? I can go first. <laughs> I am the chosen remnant. I am redeemed. I am who God says I am, and I am joyful. Awesome. I love it. What's next? Eunice or Jamie or Diana? Okay, I'm just going to go. I'm a child of God. Um, I'm anointed, and I am appointed, <laughs> and I'm enough the way that I am. I'm enough. Good one. Love it. I love it. Amy. I have to be four. Just kidding. Um, oh, whatever comes to uh, mind. <laughs> uh, I am chosen by him. I am favored by God. Um, I am anointed by him and I'm guided in his love. I love it. Diana, your turn. Okay. Um, the first thing I was going to say was I'm daughter of the king, <laughs> but um, okay. I know that that's, that's a popular one. Um, I am forgiven. I am blessed and I am the head and not the tail. Oh. I think that those are, that those are, that encompasses all daughters of Christ. And that's something that we have to always uh, think about. And it's, there's no shame in saying if you are the head and not the tail, you know, so. I love it. I want all of us to hold on to those I am statements moving forward whenever you feel discouraged, right? To remember who you are first. I know we all say it, remember who you are, but what exactly are you putting words around, language around that, that who you are statement, right? Um, so much a wealth of knowledge. I love you all. I want to bless you all for taking this time. I know you all hold very, um, important positions in your families, in your places of work, in your ministries, and taking this time and honoring me. I really want to bless you all, and I want to say a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Lord, thank you for this wonderful time that you have given us to spend this time with these beautiful women. This time I commit each one of them into your mighty hands, the places you have placed them in, the 
responsibilities, the roles that they play in each of their lives, Lord. I bless them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for you are our King, you are our Father, and you have guided them and poured wisdom into each one of their lives, Lord. Lord, at this time, I commit all of us into your hands and as we walk out of this place and lead our lives and be who we are in our, in our places, in our situations, in our families, allow us to walk in the fullness of your glory. Allow us to know who we are and in whose we are in everything that we do and lean on to you and to your cross, Father God. I commit this ministry into your mighty hands. Let this be a blessing for every person who hears this and let us pour out to lives, Lord Jesus. We commit ourselves once again in your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being here. Good night, ladies. Bye. Thank you, Thank you everyone. Thank you. Hi, family. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Please rate and review the podcast. Also, like us on Facebook at Be The Salt and follow us on IG at Be The Salt. May God bless you and lead you to be the salt wherever you're planted in this season of your life. See you in the next episode.